fathers here this morning. Amen. <laughs> wow. All of you watching online, you're in for a really big treat. Uh, a few years back, we had our ladies on Mother's Day, had like a panel of ladies and shared what it was like to be a lady or a mama and uh, a lady. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. A mother. And <laughs> see, like I said, it could get interesting this morning because us guys, we, we, we sometimes don't have filters. Uh, it's funny, on when I was calling some of the fellas, I was going to ask them, because we're going to have a, a, a little powwow this morning as well, about what it's, what it's like to be a father. And by the way, we, our goal is to let all the fathers know that there's no such thing as a perfect father. Okay, let's get that out of the way. So you're going to see that this morning. So it was really funny when I was calling some of the, the guys, I was actually getting their wives, and, and the first thing they started doing was laughing. And I'm like, because they think it's going to really get interesting. And uh, it did. It, we had some fun this morning, didn't we? But it, it's really good. But uh, this morning, what we're going to do, we're going to have a, I call it a Q&A, questions, answers, or whatever. Uh, but we're going to talk about being a father this morning. Let me tell you something. Right now, uh, the enemy is rearing his ugly head all across America. People, they don't know who they are anymore. And, uh, and really, it takes a father. It take, if the enemy's going to destroy a home, let's go backwards. He's going to go after the father. He really will. Because the father should be the, the shepherd of the home and covering of the home spiritually. And, and, and listen, right now, fellows, we got to step up. We got to up our game. We really do. Uh, I, I was watching a, a couple of videos this week about uh, th- this guy was on a discovery of what is a woman. And I thought, how sad. He had to figure out what a woman is because America's having a problem what a woman is. Now think about that. And the only reason how we can get in that condition is when we are driven by soul, soulish desires. And our soul is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotion. And what happens is, is when you only base your decisions only on your soul, you can't do it. Because we don't have a perfect mind, will, or emotions. And that's what your soul is made up of. And until you get saved, you're only two parts. You're just a body and a soul. That's the reason why people are coming up with all this craziness. But the moment that you get saved, you hear me say this all the time, God's Spirit will come into you. And not only will He come into you, but He will enlighten you. He will, he will give you wisdom. And you will know what a woman is. You will know what a man is. The Bible makes it very clear in Genesis. And God created them male and female. But, but a, a soulless person, I'm telling you, the enemy will try to come in, and he is the father of lies. There's no truth in him, and man, he is good. And if you don't have God's spirit in you, you, you can fall for a lie. You can really be deceived. And so, but we're living in a culture right now where it's time that men, it's time we stand up and be the, be the men of God that we need to be to our homes and teach our children. And by the way, they're, they're telling, there was a doctor I saw on there that said that if a little baby is in the womb and he has a little thing between his legs, that doesn't make him a boy. We need men. We need men. Um, I, I, I don't know what, but again, that's a soulless person. Doesn't, doesn't understand God's spirit. Doesn't understand. They just, and, and, and they think that a child can make that choice. The Bible says specifically, train up a child in the way he goes, grows, he will not depart from it. It's our responsibility. We have to train our children. Our children can't make those decisions. They do not, they cannot make those decisions. Even Andy Griffith told Opie that. 
You can't, you don't have enough gumption because you'll make bad decisions. You'll do dumb things. You can't do As a parent, we have to teach our children the right things. And so we train them up. And, uh, but anyway, so we're going to talk about being a father this morning. Are y'all ready? I'm going to introduce some great guys this morning. We'll, we'll start over here. And I want you to introduce your, your wife and your children, any children. By the way, we have an out of, uh, uh, empty nester here where his, his daughter's out of the home. And then we have the, the, the baby of the group here. He's the young man that's got the babies in the home. So he's the youngest guy. Uh, that, this is, by the way, this is Dennis Bowley. And this is Brandon Campbell. And I got these two backwards last service. This is Jason Campbell here. But, and this is Alan Barnett. And so let's go real quick. Dennis. My wife's uh, Jill Byer Bowley sitting down here. My daughter's Rayanne Jean James, and she lives in Jeffersonville. And then the uh, exchange student we'll talk about is uh, Sophie Lorenz. Yeah, you're going to enjoy that. That's good. Uh, my wife is Mariah Campbell, and we have a one-and-a-half-year-old girl, Lily, and then a four-year-old, uh, Xander. We're going to be good. Our wives are here in yes. the service. I was just saying. Oh, they were throwing you under the bus last <laughs> service, ladies. I'm just saying. Okay, uh, my wife is back there, Leah, of 22 years. Isn't she pretty? Oh, wow. Uh, I have my three kids. I got Brooklyn, who's 21, Jackson, who is 16, and Miles, who is 11. And my beautiful wife over there is Tiffany Campbell, and I got Emma, who is 19, Tara, who's 11, Kinsley is 8, 7, 7. Seven. Go yeah, slow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Hadley is <laughs> six, and Hudson is four. Awesome. Yeah. Can we give it up to these guys and family this morning? Amen. All right. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about some challenges that it that it faced. So we got a great group of guys here, so we got enough information here to get us all out of trouble, fellas, if we need help in the department of children, teenagers, or whatever. So so I, I've tried to, I prayed about the guys, and, and this is what we come up with. And so uh, the wives were laughing, but I, I felt good. Anyway, <laughs> but we're going to go at it this morning. Uh, let's start with the youngest guy here. Let's start with Brandon this morning. Uh, what's one of the challenges as being a, a, a young father with the young children um, for you? What's, what's some of the challenges that you face? For me, it's getting used to their developing personalities. Um, you think... Okay, they're going to be like either me or their mother. No, they get the good and more of the bad parts of both of us. So our son, he's a performer. He'll do whatever you want, try to make you laugh. Our little girl is exact opposite. You say, say, Dada, and she goes, huh. <laughs> so I'm in for it on that one. How about you, Dennis? Well, uh, we got married kind of late. I was 31, so uh, just about a year and a half later or so, we had Ray Ann. So it was a big change for me, being a bachelor all those years. Uh, but it, it was learning to let Ray Ann uh, be herself. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, she turned out not to be a tomboy. Uh, she loved playing with dolls and and uh, doing, doing the things that girls like to do. And so I had to adjust myself being an outside guy. But uh, that was probably one of the biggest challenges and then uh, give in to a lot of times what Jill 
said was probably the best in the family. So uh, I, that, that came pretty quick. Mm -hmm. But uh, that was probably some of my biggest challenges. Mm -hmm. Alan? Uh, my first challenge was um, I got married at 19. I had all three of my kids before 31. Um, so being, being a young dad, you know, just one year out of high school, being a baby, having a baby. Um, the second one was I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Uh, my wife did, so we came from two different backgrounds. We had to figure out, you know, how we're going to raise and discipline and punish our kids and reward them because we, you know, came from two different worlds. Um, but the biggest challenge for me, and um, I had shared this on one Wednesday, was that there was a generational curse on me as far as anxiety. Um, and it manifested into seizures that I had for about five years. Um, they were up to about 10 to 15 a day, anywhere between 5 to 30 minutes long. Mm. Um, and to see some of my kids at an early age go through some of the things that I went through as far as anxiety and, and seeing that curse on them, um, it was one of my biggest challenges. Um, now, God got me through that. Uh, I haven't had a seizure in two years. I'm wow. not going to have Praise any God. more. Um, and it, it was just a, a spirit that was speaking to my life, and I had to get rid of that voice. You know, the medicines didn't work. The um, Going to the doctor and all the CAT scans and all those things didn't work. It was just I had to change my stinking thinking, as mm -hmm. Pastor Gary likes to call it. Um, but then once I got through that and I started seeing some of the things my kids was going through, I had another little voice talking about, well, that's your fault. And that was, that was really hard, um, seeing my kids struggle through the th same things that I struggled with, you know, even though most of the things that happened to me would happen before they were born. Um, so, um, being a young dad, um, not being raised in a Christian home, not knowing how to raise kids in a Christian home because I didn't come from one, but the, that generational curse of anxiety, anxiety and seeing my kids go through it was probably my biggest three challenges as a, as a father. Okay. Oh, challenges. Well, range, you got to understand, i got kids from 19 to 4. So there's all kinds of challenges day in and day out. Um, you know, my, my oldest daughter was in reverence to my first marriage. So, you know, that was a challenge into itself as I got, you know, married my wife now. So, uh, which we'll get into later. But, uh, you know, you, you know, basically the first, how many kids we got? Uh, <laughs> all of them were girls until my last one, which was Hudson. So it was a challenge getting used to, one, emotions. There's a big difference in girls and boys. But also to glitter and bows. And I'm not very good with hair, so my, my wife is very good. She braid hair, do all that stuff. So my version of doing a ponytail was take the vacuum cleaner and suck it up in there and then put the little thing on. So that was my version of a ponytail, and it worked really good in case any guys need to know. Um, but basically just, uh, again, like some of the guys have said, all the different, uh, just they're all into stuff differently. A lot of the girls stay kind of the same. Uh, princesses and things like that. Mermaids, Barbies. And finally I got Hudson. <laughs> Whew, thank goodness. Well, you know, but 
But, but all that aside, it, it is fun. It's a joy. It's going to be a challenge, and it's a challenge even after they're out of the house, I'm sure, because that never goes away. You love them. You're going to worry about them. But that, ne that never goes away. They're your kids. So, uh, but it's a joy. Wow. Uh, I, I'm going to switch gears a little bit. We're going we're gonna to go a little deeper now. Um, and by the way, I want all of you all to know that every one of these are godly men. And what you're going to find out is that um, it all comes back to the bottom line. It comes all back to God. Uh, but we're, gonna, we're not going to get there yet. But we're going to go through these challenges for just a moment. Brandon, I want to start with you first. When, what was it like as a new dad? I know what it's like for me. I'm going to share my things too as well. But what was it like for you when you first had your, your baby, maybe the first one? Or was it everything that you expected? Was it, what, what was you expecting? And what, you know, what was your expectations of that? And, and were you prepared? Let's put it that way. Were you prepared for to be a dad? <laughs> so I didn't have the fear or anxiety that, some dads do because I babysat both my nieces when they were very young. So to me, my first kid seemed more like the second or third. I just had that comfort to me. Uh, but there are things you had to learn. Don't be a heavy sleeper. Your wife will not like you. <laughs> And the first night they're born, don't bounce their head off the bassinet. Oh. Yeah. That, the wife woke up, goes, what was that? Oh, that was the ring. That was, my, that was my wedding ring hitting the bassinet. So, uh, they're not as fragile as they seem, so don't think, okay, I got to hold it like it's priceless china, because they do bounce. <laughs> oh, they're just tired. They use that. Y'all, a baby falls like a two stories. Oh, they're just tired, just crying. No, I think he's really hurt. <laughs> I'm sorry. I mean, are you? Uh, you know, you're different from me. I remember when when Caleb was first born. I don't know what it was in me. I thought it was a game. I, for what, I just thought, well, this is not real. It's not, I'm in a fantasy. I'm dreaming this thing. We go in, have Caleb, and I'm there, you know, because my wife, she had to have a, a, a C-section. And so when you have a C-section, they, they keep you a few days, make sure everything's okay. So um, I, I'm in there, and they don't let me do anything. They, they, the nurses, that's their job. So they're coming in, they're taking care of him, changing the diapers and doing all this, feeding him, and, I'm, and then, of course, getting mama to feed him and all this stuff. And I'm just, like, absorbing all this stuff. And I'm, I'm watching all this stuff go down. I'm like, you guys are doing a good job. And I remember the day they bundled him up, and they, they looked at me and said, here you go, Mr. Satterley, uh, and gathered him up and put, put him in my arms and said, okay, it's time to leave. <laughs> I'm not lying. I truly thought, are you nuts? I get to take this thing home with me? I'm, I can't do this. I'm not capable. I mean, I will go to jail. I'm not going to be a good father. I mean, that's just what I was thinking. Um, and so, but that, that was my, my uh, perception. When I first, I was not prepared. I was not prepared. I mean, I sit there and watch that baby like all the time. I mean, I made sure if it, I'm like you, I think I just watch it, is it breathing, you know, and, and make sure I'm okay. And, um, but I had him on Coke. I don't know by probably maybe I Coke and Pepsi. Uh, I didn't know I wasn't supposed to do that. 
Uh, but he, he loved me. Him and, and he, woman, she said, he won't eat for me. But anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. But for me, I'm just kidding. I didn't do, maybe just a little bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she's gone. She's, by the way, she's up, she's up at Austin with her dad. It's having a special day for her, for, or my father-in-law today. So they're honoring him today. But anyway, for me, I was not prepared. And it sounded like to me, you had it together. But um, anyways. It wasn't together. It wasn't together. Well, if you dropped it, you know. Anyway, uh, Dennis, um, what about you? I, I, I tell us a little bit. By the way, and, and, you, and we're going to be transparent, uh, and we want to be transparent. He threw a little curveball because he ha- him, and, him and Jill has kind of the dream of every parent. Your child, you raise them up. They love the Lord. They go out. They serve the Lord. And I, tell them tell about Rayanne. I mean, amazing. She loves the Lord. I don't want to, I can't, I don't have it all, but go ahead and tell what God has done in your family. They, she, she loves Jesus. Well, first of all, I didn't realize it was, childbearing was so painful for the man. I mean, the, the two days, the two days after we, we had Rayanne out here at Scott County Hospital, Dr. Rogers delivered and Jill's mother was a nurse there and we were all together. And my legs hurt so much the two days after that childbearing, just from standing there right beside Jill. They were, they were locked up. So I didn't know that transferred to the man. But uh, so it was just a tremendous birth. We, and uh, so we brought her home on a Sunday morning, and we, we come by the church right about service. The service was turning out to introduce her to everybody. So we started her at, at church just ASAP. Wow. So, uh, but she, uh, she always loved Sunday school, and uh, we always had Bibles there in the, in the house, and we always did our prayers. And uh, she just come to love the Lord to the, to the point she would call us out. If, mm-hmm. if we were having a bad day and probably getting on each other, she would straighten us out. Uh, but uh, she, uh, <clears throat> she accepted the Lord at a young age. And her friends, she always tried to be a counseling. Well, today she is a counselor. She, she got a master's in human services uh, at Liberty University. Mm, wow. And today she's a youth coordinator in Louisville, Kentucky. Mm. So she's always been one trying to, trying to help everybody out. Wow. And uh, so, yeah. We, just, we really didn't have any troubles. I think Jill said one time maybe uh, back talking maybe it was a the hardest thing we had to work through. Oh my goodness gracious. I'm not sure. She might still know what ivory tastes like. Oh. I'm not sure. <laughs> You're terrible. <laughs> Poor little gal. It's okay. I did the same thing with my son. <laughs> That's good. Um, we'll come back to the other here in just a sec because there's something happened in their family um, that, that God used them. And I, I'm going to say, it doesn't matter if you're the biological parent or not, because God can bring, bring kids into your life, and you could, God can use you to change your life. We'll come back in just a minute. Alan, um, you, you face some uh, challenges in your, in your life as well, going through these seizures and stuff, but how did that really affect you at being a father? Well, um, the big thing was I felt like that I lost about five years of my kids because my wife had to take over and kind of do my part and her part, um, which her part's bigger than my part anyway. Um, But, like, 
I feel like I missed a lot because I try to not get any type of emotions. Because mm-hmm. with my seizures, it wasn't just like depression or anxiety. If I got really happy or if I got sad or if I got excited or if I got mad, any, any change in emotions would trigger a seizure. Like Christmas morning, watching the kids open a present, seeing the excitement, seizure. So I try to just live like melancholy and just like not feel anything. Um, and I missed a lot of my kids mm-hmm. and, and what they were going through. I mean, at one point I had one in high school, one in middle school, and one in elementary school. And there's all kinds of different challenges and things that are going on with each kid. And I couldn't really be present without the fear of um, having this medical con- condition. Um, so that, that was really really hard for me. I know I was probably there more than um, I thought. I mean, I still worked. I still coached when I could. But um, it just felt like I missed out on being a dad for five years. And um, that, that, was, that was just really hard as for, for me personally. And I know uh, being a teacher and seeing what kids go through that um, kids need their dads. They need a father figure. And I felt like I lost five years of that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But look at them right now. They're back there looking at her dad right now, being used of God. I, I remember, uh, for me, I'm going to show this in, in, because I, similar, you and I, we kind of had this similar thing. I didn't go through what you went through, but when we were in ministry up in Greenwood for many years, all the ministry was taken away from us because of what, what the pastor did there. We had to eat the fruit of somebody else's doing. But um, So we were there for 15 years in ministry, and, and I got caught into, uh, when we moved over to Harrison, Pastor Doug called me, said, get over here, you need to be healed up, you need to get back in ministry. Um, I, I, I lost almost my family. I put the ministry way before everybody. Because if you ever lose something that you love to do more than anything, and you, you want it back so desperately, you're willing to do anything and everything to get it back quickly... I had 15 years of ministry taken away, youth ministry, music, all the stuff was taken away, and now I'm in a new environment. So I felt like I got into this performance mode, felt like I had to prove myself all over to get back. Those 15 years in just a month or two, I was dying. I was killing myself to get it back, and I, was, and I had put my wife in second place, I put my son in second place, and I, I disconnected from everybody, and I poured my life into that ministry. But I think one of the greatest things, and I, and I know it's, it, God can take your tragedies and turn it into your greatest testimonies. He can take your deepest, darkest pains, turn it into purpose for you. But I had to go through something, and God brought me. He had a wonderful way of shaking me. I, I ended up going through cancer, and I would never, ever dream and wish that on anybody. That thanks, thank God, by the grace of God, God cured me of cancer. Other, other folks has not had that, had that, but I had. But, but going through that was a great experience for me. It brought me back to pause me, to stop. And my wife and I's relationship started growing back where it needed to be, getting healthy again. My son and I's relationship started getting healthy again. So he used a tragedy for a great testimony for me. And he brought me back. But, but there, there may be some of you that you're, you're in that mode as well. And there's things, a distraction that's keeping you from being that father. But pause that use something to Paul to make you stop, but because of that, it was like six months after my last treatment. God called me to the ministry. And said, "Now you're ready." That's when we moved here to plant this church. But it took going through that to God. God took a tragedy, turned it to be something great. 
Okay, God took my my uh, uh, a sorrow, turned it into my strength, and so and I'm hoping that's what it's God's doing with you as well. Yeah, now, one thing that I'd like to share is um, so after I've not had a seat for a year and a half, I said, and it's hard for me to learn how to feel again mm-hmm. because you know I kept those emotions down. Yeah. Um, but one thing that I realized, one of the things that that like you just mentioned, um, was the fact that God calls us to be Christ-like, mm-hmm. right? And to me, I'm the most happy. I feel the most joy when I'm being a father because that's the oh, closest I love that. I love to Christ. Like, say that again. Be. Get this, fathers. Listen um, to him. So we're called to be Christ-like. For me, I feel the most Christ-like when I'm being a father uh, to my three kids. Wow, wow, that's good. That's good. You take away any take away that today, guys. If you feel like that, you're not, you know, be a be a godly father to your kids. And you'll feel your father. Amen. That's powerful. Anybody, any guys got anything you want to share, comment on any of that before we move on into Jason? Jason, what about you? Um, I know Jason comes from a, he has a blended family. And boy, that, that, that can create challenges. You may have a blended family and, and, and this guy can, can help you. He's not, he's not master. They've not mastered. Trust me. Guarantee. There's a lot of, no, none of us, none of us are perfect here, but yet we can learn from, from experiences here. And there's another thing that happened in this, in this marriage as well that, that, that rocked their world. And I, I want to get, we'll get to that in a moment too, but go ahead and share what uh, it's like. Yeah. You know, as far as the, the blended family, I mean, so I got to experience that a little bit myself. Um, you know, eighth grade year, uh, my, my brother's mom and dad, uh, I was two when they divorced and my dad was military and stuff. So my eighth grade year, I actually, uh, Moved in with my dad. We moved to Michigan. So I come into a family there with, uh, you know, a stepmom and then a stepbrother. Uh, and, you know, going into that, you know, it's, you know, I, here I am, 13, 14 years old. And, you know, when they try to tell you what to do, it's like, you're not my mom. You know, so, you know, I got my mom's back home in Indiana. You're not going to tell me what to do. It's going to be my dad. So there was a lot of, you know, it, you get a little buildup there. You kind of, you know, you don't. They, you don't look at them as family at first. I mean, because everything's changed, you know, and it, it's like, you know, I got a mom, I don't need you to come in trying to be be one. And that's kind of cruel, and, you know, don't get me wrong, my step, well, I don't really get into the step deal, but my my wife's, my dad's wife, uh, she's still, uh, they're still married, and, and, I, and I love her to death, uh, uh, and stuff like that. We still may have some disagreements, but, uh, you know, we get along a lot better than we did then. So, Fast forward, you know, when you get married, your goal is, you know, I always told myself, you know, hey, I have a kid, their mom and dad's going to be there. I'm not going through this divorce thing. It's not anything we're going to have a part of. They're going to have their mom and dad there and stuff like that. Well, guess what? It, it, that, you know, that, that didn't happen. Um, but, you know, fast forward again, and I, I met my wife now. Um, the rough part of that was my oldest daughter. Uh, Emma, she, uh, she'd have been about 10 at that time and coming in, she, she was really attached to me and got, and was really jealous and stuff like that. So it took a lot. And I'll tell you, uh, my wife, uh, she really eased into that and, and, and then, and got to, you know, earn her trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I also had a change for me because Tara, uh, was about two, so, you know, I'd already been through the baby phase, 
I'm like, whoa, well, here we got another one. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I, you know, I accepted it with open arms and went into that. But it was uh, it's different because, you know, one, you're there, they start seeing you and stuff like that. And, and now her dad is still in the picture. He's still part of her life. So I'll never forget, uh, I don't know, she's three, maybe three or four. And she called me, started calling me dad. Might have been sooner. Um, but I was hesitant with that at first because even though I'm not a fan of him, her, his, <laughs> her dad is still around. And so I felt bad for him. I'm like, why? Because I, how am I going to feel if my daughter called somebody else dad? Hmm. Wow. So I'm sitting here thinking, it, I would probably get angry. But as I got older, more mature, I figured out, you know, hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. But, I mean, at that time, it was, it was hard for me to accept. It took me a little bit to get used to that. And now, I mean, today, it's, it's like she's always been with me. Uh, mm. She's mine. Uh, uh, we don't believe in step in our family. Mm. You're either family or you're not. You know what I mean? She's mine. I'll call her mine, and she's mine until I go. So, uh, and even after, if, uh, so be it. You know, but, uh, but yeah, so it, the blended side of it, it can work, but it takes both of you. It takes you, it takes your wife, and you really just got to ease yourself in. Don't force it. I struggled at first. I, right there at first, I tell my oldest, suck it up. You know, this is what it is. She's not going nowhere because she didn't want anybody else there. She wanted me to herself. And uh, typical of any kid, I believe, in that situation. But uh, it gradually got better and, and, and things got better uh, here or there. Mm. And, of course, um, you know, and we're where we're at now. Uh, you know, I, I gained a daughter and my wife gained a daughter. And... Uh, and it's been great. Basically, you know, I just tell the kids now, you know, those two, Tara and Emma, hey, you get two of everything, right? So <laughs> got to look at the positive. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Uh, you know, one thing as fathers, I, I'm learning, it doesn't matter if they're your kids or not. You love them as your children. If God's loving you, they need to be loved. And uh, you can make a difference in their life. Um, let me show you the power uh, they might not be your kids, but but just you, not not backing down on your on your faith and sticking with your faith. What what God what God can do, Dennis? Won't you share a little bit about this, uh, 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 Sophie? Sophie. So I came home from uh, work one day, and and Jill and uh, Ray, at the time Ran was ten years old, I believe, and uh, they had read in the paper they're needing volunteers to. Uh, bring foreign exchange students over. And so those two cooked up that we should have sponsor a foreign exchange student. And it, it just hit me like a wall. I, I, I didn't want anything to do with it. So I, I kind of cooked over it for a couple of days and, you know, having the thoughts of bringing a, a strange person in her house with a young daughter. And so anyway, you know, Lord told me, it, yeah, we need to do this. So Jill and Rayanne had looked over four or five, uh, possibilities and they picked one and, and Jill called and and they said well she's already been given to another family so Jill said well that's the only one we feel like is a fit for us well I don't know it was two or three days later they called and said well she's she's going to be with you guys so we picked Sophie up at the airport she's 15 like 15 and a half or so and uh, brought her to the house and 
and so she was here for her senior year in high school and uh, she she didn't have a faith and uh, and actually in signing all the documents you could not help them change their religion well Sophie didn't have a faith so we took her to church the first Sunday and it might have been the first time she'd ever been in church but so after church came home had dinner and she said well i want to go to the youth activities tonight and we just couldn't believe it so uh she attended and i don't know that she ever missed a youth activities and she accepted christ at her church and wow. was baptized <laughs> and uh, her family is agnostic uh, she came from a professional family where she had the run of of berlin germany she could get on a bus or a, uh, a train and go to another country to go skiing or, or go to a party on the other side of town, but that's what she was accustomed to. So uh, back in 99, we didn't have mobile phones, so uh, we let her choose her friends, and the friends were welcome at, the, at our house, and w that was new for us to have teenagers. We, we wasn't there yet. You know, we, our ran was 10 years old, but uh, so... We didn't have too many restrictions other than let us know where she was going. So one night she came home at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, just been out having a good time. So the next morning she got a two-hour sermon that she would tell us where she was going to be because 10 minutes from the house, she wouldn't know where she was at in mm -hmm. poor little Scott County. So, uh, but she was just a wonderful, uh, she was a very hard uh, studying person and she loved her sports. She did volleyball and, and uh, what baseball, and uh, she was just fantastic. She cooked for us once, and I'm not sure we got to eat that meal or not, but, but, uh, but she went home, and, uh, and she became a dentist, and now she has four children. Wow. Uh, she, brought her, she brought her husband. Now she brought, when he was in, they were engaged, she brought him over here to, to get us to bless him. Wow. They're still serving the Lord. So yeah, wow. she went home as a, as a young woman and, and started uh, youth groups and, and being, being uh, standing wow. there for God. You know, and you don't think how God's using you. You just pointed in the right direction. And, and, and God used you to do that. That's powerful. I'm telling you, church, it's amazing what you could do. That's why I'm so excited about the refuge. You never know by planning into children how you could change your life. And you know, I, before this service, I got a text. I don't know if this is weird or not. I got a text. I got a text from someone that says they're looking for a fa two families to bring in two foreign exchange students. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm just. That's <laughs> weird, anyway. So if y'all looking, if y'all want to go down that path again, hey, if you want to do another round, I can, <laughs> I can hook you up. Uh, but anyway, that's powerful. That's, that is so powerful. But go ahead and say also, it, you know, listen, but you can also give everything you got too, and it won't work. Because um, every person has to work out their own salvation. Tell them about this young man you said. Yeah, uh, after that, well, it's, it's probably only been 10, 12 years ago, uh, we uh, took a young man into our house. He was the same age, 15, 16, and, and uh, we, we prayed, and God God uh, pushed us or nudged us to adopt him. And so we, we went that way, and, and the devil got in the middle of it, and uh, family decided it wasn't going to happen. Right. So uh, even though we've had a couple blessings, not, everyone is, not everyone's going to work out right. for the good. 
And uh, so don't give up. Right. You know, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta keep it going. Uh, I want to throw one other in. We we uh, learned to have, we had a good couple that we were real good friends with, and when they got married, they loved flying all over the world and having a good time, and they decided they wasn't having children. So uh, I don't know if it was six, eight years, ten years into their marriage, they finally had a son. Wow. And, and then they had another one, and then at church. Uh, it was all about adopting children from uh, Africa, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so they they decided to adopt one, and the adoption agency kept calling back and said, they've got a brother that shouldn't be alone. They've got a sister. So they now have seven children. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and started out not even wanting to be a mom and dad. Wow. So wow. pretty amazing. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to get ready to go into Jason here. Someone go back here and stop that clock. My goodness gracious. It's like when you're enjoying yourself here, I'm enjoying what you're saying, Sharon. Um, uh, Brandon or Alan, you have anything you want to share real, real briefly before we... Um, so let's, let's go on here. Jason, I want you to kind of bring up the rear here. And there was a, a tragedy that happened in your family. And you may be here this morning, one of a father that... You may have uh, went through a tragedy, and, and it's hard for you to get over that. It's, it's, really, it's really devastating to you. And I, I want you to hear this, and hopefully that something Jason can share to help you. Well, I think they heard you. They changed the clock, by the way. Oh, did so, they? Yeah, so we got plenty of time. Uh, so. <laughs> the, um, yeah, back in 2014, uh, my wife Tiffany and I... Uh, uh, she was pregnant with our first child, mine and hers, and uh, uh, her name in the, you know, was Kinsley Grace. And uh, she was born. She's in labor for a good while. It was a little bit of a rough labor, but, you know, she'd come out, you know, head full of dark hair, had the real long fingers, real long toes, um, you know. But to us, perfect. We always just, you know, like, you know, that's her piano fingers and stuff like that. And uh, But to us, it was perfect. You know, I mean, then we had a pediatric doctor that came in and uh, kind of looked at her, and she had a little bit of a heart murmur, stuff like that. And uh, uh, she said, I don't know if I forget her exact word, but basically I'm going to have to do, we, we think something's going on, but we're not sure. And then she just turns around and walks out. We're like, what in the world? But there's Google. So, you know, so my wife, if you all ever get to know her, when she gets her mind on something or for something she needs to know about, she could she really researched it. I, after after all the hospital visits, uh, Dr. Crossdale would have probably hired her and she don't even have a degree. So, <laughs> so her PhD. But anyway, when you type that stuff in, a thing popped up called Marfan syndrome. Uh, of course that's not what we didn't know that's what she had. That was just what popped up when you typed in those symptoms. Well, they done further research and then, uh, you know, her genetic tests and stuff like that. Well, that's what she had, uh, neonatal Marfan syndrome. So normally, which is genetic, uh, but nobody in our family had it, so hers was spontaneous. And a lot of times Marfan's affects either your eyes or your heart, you know, specifically the aorta, uh, stuff like that. So hers affected her heart. Uh, she had a lot of leakage, uh, you know, and things like that, and there's a lot of technical terms for that. Uh, and I'm sure my wife could tell you. But uh, so anyway, but we, you know, to us, she was our, she was our joy. She was always with a smile on her face. 
and could light up a room. And, uh, you know, I could still see her. You know, I, I, I picked on my wife a lot because she takes a lot of pictures. And I'm like, these kids, they don't, they don't want to take pictures all the time. And then, you know, with, with what we went through, I'm so thankful for those pictures. But uh, anyway, so, you know, we find all this stuff out, you know, and, and kind of fast forward a little bit. And uh, So her first, uh, she ends up getting RSV, uh, I believe that's correct. No, what's it called? HMPV. There you go. I said it wrong first. But anyway. She got that, you know, of course, Marfan's is still there. So, uh, and that was our first go around in the hospital there, Coe's there, which was, they were great. They were great to us. Uh, then we got to bring her home after, I forget how many days, 30, 40 some days, but uh, we got to bring her home. And then she ended up, you know, we actually took her on a, we got to take her on a three-day vacation to Tennessee. She got to, you know, her first time in a, hot tub and stuff like that, which she didn't really care much for. But, you know, I, I can still see her face. And uh, But we come back. Of course, she ends up uh, a little later. Uh, you know, just so you know, Marfan's is a connective tissue disorder, so it affects, like, she's a little more brittle than what we would be. Um, you know, so her esophagus was really affected, you know, and we ended up having to do a G-tube, um, which is how we fed her through her stomach. You know, I think the, the heaviest she got was like 11 pounds something. Um, but anyway, we come back. She ended up getting bacterial pneumonia. We was in the hospital again. Uh, but I tell you, when she's in there, she's a trooper. The nurses loved her. Uh, Amanda was even one of our nurses. She got to spend some time with her and stuff too. Uh, so it was great to have people there that you know. Um, you know, I didn't mention this first service, but the last thing she got was rhinovirus, which was a common cold. And that's what that put her up there. We was in the NICU, PICU, whatever you want to call it. We had a nurse, a lady. Uh, her name was Terry. And uh, so we're sitting in there, and, and she was uh, the nurse had to stay in the room. They couldn't leave the room because um, she was on, you know, her getting, you know, his breathing machine, breathing and stuff. And I was playing uh, Christian music. As a matter of fact, I can tell you that I was playing Jason. Jason Crabb and a lot of old Southern gospel music. And and Terry, uh, <laughs> she comes over and she sets by us. It's me, Tiff, and Tina, and we're all sitting in that room. I mean, she starts singing the song. She's singing, you know. So that told me right there, I mean, this this is a woman of faith, you know. And, I mean, she was sitting there, and we kind of singing and, you know, kind of like having a little church service there, you know, and, and she's over laying. And... Uh, but it was a little later that evening, uh, she had stopped breathing, uh, and they started doing CPR. And this is, I tell you, this is where God kind of kind of came in, and, and, and to me, he showed, showed his stuff there. Uh, they worked on her for about an hour and a half, CPR. Now, you got to think, you know, she's at most was 11 pounds, and they're, they're rotating, doing that CPR, you know. And they're coming to us. Of course, they pulled us into a room and like, you know, she's been without oxygen for this long. And, you know, of course, don't stop. You know, we're, we don't want to lose nobody. You know, we, we're going to tell them, keep fighting. 
We want them here. We're selfish people. We want our loved ones here. Even though we knew where she was going, we knew that when she opened her eyes again, (laughs) she was going to be in the arms of the Lord. Mm. Well, finally, they called it, and I'll, you know, never. She had no bruises, none, no broken bones. That's a miracle. They work on people like me, and they'll break bones doing CPR. The Buchanan's was the funeral home that got her, and so when they took her in, you know, we got to go down and set all the arrangements up. And Jerry. Uh, pretty close with Jerry and pretty close to all of them. But we got to go back and see her and he told me, he even told us before we got back there, he's like, he goes, he goes, we didn't have to do anything. You know, a lot of times they have to put makeup on and stuff like that. They they put a little touch up on her lips because, you know, they keep it cool back there in that room. And I know that's just her body there because I know she's not there. And uh, But it looked like she was just sound asleep. And he said that, it, I mean, to him was, he couldn't believe it either. And that just, you know, goes to show you that, you know, guys at work. But, you know, with the loss of that, with the loss of our child, you know, everybody handles that differently. And I'm going to tell you, we had, our, if it wasn't for our family, friends, and stuff like that, it would have been very tough. The thing is, I know men and women handle things differently. And men, I know a lot of times we go off. We need a little time alone. And it's okay to have that time alone. But don't stay there. Come back to that family. Come back and have those people around you. Pray. (laughs) I had battles. I, you know, we always ask why. And... You know, at the end of the day, when it's all said and done, I know that I'm going to see Kinsley again. Mm. And I think that those those people and the family that was there for us, because, you know, Tiff and I, we I, we were strong, and I know we'd have made it through it, but it, it made it so much easier to have people with us, because I'm telling you, that can be that can be a tug, and that can be an attack on your marriage as well. But, you know, we got through that thanks to God, thanks to the friends and family and things like that. And then now it went long after that. You know, we pretty much, I know in her eyes, we were done. I'm just like, I'm not going through this ever again. And about six, seven months later, we found out we were pregnant with Hadley. So, uh, Hadley, if y'all haven't met her, she's, well, she's six years old. Amazing. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, and I tell you what, I think of Kinsley a lot, but it makes my day when I see my kids walking around, singing praise music, Mm. saying that they love Jesus. And here's the deal. Hadley speaks to Kinsley. She'll go in her room. Your kids go in your room. They'll play. And you'll hear in there, she's playing away with her Barbies or American Girl dolls. And you'll listen. It's like she's having a conversation. I mean, straight up talking to somebody. And you'll ask her, and she's like, oh, me and Kinsley was playing and talking. And I'm telling you. And she'll say that too. She'll say she talks to God. And our kids see stuff. Our kids are pure. 
and I'm telling you, you can learn a lot from them as well. Mm. But don't ever <laughs> get away yeah. from your from your 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 circle. Yeah. You need that when yeah. you go through times like that. Yeah. We were talking about that the first service. Um, the men like to isolate. Guys, don't do that. We're tough. I'm going, we don't know what I'm going through. You know, we kind of go, we got to handle this. Don't do that. That's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to put you in a place of isolation because that's where he'll mess with the mind. That's where he will get to you, make you feel like you're a failure, make you feel like you're no good, you're a bad father, you're a terrible person. But God wants to bring people into our life. He said, you know, in the word that, that the entire Bible was built on loving God and loving people. You know, the second greatest commandment, or he said the first just like it, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and your mind and your soul. And also the second is just as important, love one another. The entire, we got to have one another. That's why when we went through COVID and they isolated everybody, it's okay medically for just a short season, but not long periods of time. Very dangerous because we were created for one another. And had it not been for one another in these gentlemen's lives, and all of us, um, It'd be, it'd be hard to go through what we went through. I had Pastor Doug pouring into me when everything fell in my life. And he, he uh, they go down the, the, down the list. I want, I want you, uh, Alan, maybe, a, maybe there's a father here this morning that feels like a total failure. What would you tell him? I would, I would tell him that God uses people who are weak to show his glory. Mm-hmm. And when you feel like that you can't do it, he can and you have to lean on his understanding and his grace. Wow. That's good. Like Paul said, for when I'm weak, then I'm sorry. He uses our weaknesses the greatest. It's when you're strong is when, when you get into trouble because you feel like, I don't need God. That's what gets men in trouble right there. That pride. I don't need. No, we do need. God, humble me. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that in due time God can exalt you. I'm going to close with this. Uh, out of time. Um, go ahead and throw this scripture up here. I want to read this. And I want to take you to the greatest father of my eyes in the entire Bible. It was Joseph. And I want to read this to you. It says this in Matthew 1, verses 19 and 21. He was getting ready to, to be married to, to Mary. It says, Joseph, to whom she, Mary, was engaged. He was a righteous man, the Bible says here. And did not want to disgrace her publicly. Right there, he, was, he cared about her. He didn't want to make her feel bad. He didn't want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. And by the way, God wants to talk to you. God wants to, like, Kinsley wants to talk to these children. God wants to, and he was talking to Joseph here. And he says this, verse 20, as he considered this, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. There are times when we're afraid to do something for for God. And he said, look, listen to his voice. Don't be afraid. I got a plan. I got a plan. He says, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit, and she will have a son. It may not be your biological son, but she's going to have a son. Now watch this now. Where Jason's at, where Tiffany's at. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. 
for he will save his people from their sins. And as I read that this week, I know it sounds like Christmas all over again. God gave me three things here. And these are the three things God gave me. The first one is this, is, is that what made him a great father is this. Number one, he was faithful to obey God first. Trust in the Lord, gentlemen, with all your heart. Quit trying to figure it out on your own. Go to him, obey him. And I'll tell you, he'll talk to you. He'll tell you specifically what you need to do. This week, my, my wife and I, we were uh, approached to buy the facility that, that we're in now for her cabinet business and because and, uh, they're wanting to sell it on top of her, you know. And I'm like, oh, gosh. Well, let's just buy it on our own. And so we went and talked with them. And then, but I looked at him in, in, in the meeting. I said, my wife and I never make a decision without praying to God first. And we walked out in the car. And my wife gave me the biggest kiss. And I'm so proud of you. I go, well, because we don't negotiate that. We go home, we pray. This morning, we both wake up. We know we're not supposed to buy that building. It's a distraction. We don't need that. I got, this is, I got, I got to focus on, on the ministry because I'm the type of person, if I see something wrong, I'll, I'll stop and try to go fix it. No, I'm not going to. No. I said, look, we're not going to do it. And so we, but listen, talk to God. God. God will tell you. So he was faithful to obey God first. The second reason why he was a great father, he was faithful to stay with Mary. Listen, guys, when things get tough, don't quit. Don't take the easy road out. Come on, man. Stay the course. Be a man. Come on, work it out. Oh, Joseph. Hello, the, the woman was already pregnant. <laughs> he didn't know it. He goes, what happened here? Okay, and, but it took the presence of God to convince him. No, he stayed. He had a heart because he was a righteous man. And the third thing that why he was a great father was he was faithful to raise and take care of a child that wasn't even his. Jesus. Jason, Tiff, you're a blended family. They're yours now. Jesus was Joseph's. It's his. It wasn't his biological son, but God gave him a love in his heart to be able to raise that child as it was his own. Only God can do that. Listen to me, fathers. God wants to do something in your life so much. And, and you hang in there, and you may be going, you may feel like a failure. That's normal. The enemy's going to do that. But you've got to know this. God says, I've got a spirit that I place within you, and that spirit's greater than any spirit that's within this world. And through me, you can do all things. Amen. So I'll just pray. Would you stand with me? I'm going to pray a prayer, 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 prayer blessing over you. But I want to give you this. Put this truth up there. One last thing here. Joseph was a great example of a father teaching how to have a true love and selfless, or selflessness. Think about that. A selfishness, okay? He was a great example that he put others first. He cared more about them. And I love what Alan said. If I can just love my God, it's easy for me to love my children and teach them to love my God. Father, I want to thank you for, for this incredible men up here, and God, how that you use them to share their, their stories, their testimonies. God, that they're not perfect. Not one of these men here are perfect. We are all sinners. Not, I'm not perfect, none of us. But God, the beautiful thing is, is we know that you are. And we know that God, as long as we stay connected to you, that God, that you'd give us an answer. And God, this morning, I pray that God, that no matter what these men are going through, that God, that they'll stay connected to you.
And I pray that God, I pray that they won't isolate, but God, that they will find those individuals. And God, bring them into their lives, God. Men, that God's going to be a friend to them. Someone that they can share everything that they can ever share, God. And, and, and it will be kept secret, God. Because God, everyone needs someone. And God, I pray that in Jesus' name, that God, that these men, that we will rise up, God, and we will share the word to our children, God, and their children, Father. And this week that we have an opportunity, there are going to be kids all over this campus. And those that are here, God, I'm going to look at these children. I'm going to tell them, that's awesome. You're amazing, young man. You're amazing, young lady. God's got a plan for you, young man. God's got a plan for you, young lady. God, I pray in Jesus' name that, God, that you use us. God, we see that, God, that you can work. God, you use Dennis and Jill to be able to just minister to this Ford Exchange student, Sophie. And God, she's accepted you as their Lord. God, and their spirit that they planted in her, God, is in Germany being used. And now, God, she's sharing that same love to her kids. God, how powerful. God, I get excited about that. And God, we have an opportunity to do that as well. But I pray that, God, that every man will rise up and God will take our place. And God, that place is in you. That, God, we're not going to negotiate you. That no matter how bad it gets, we're going to run to you, God. We're going to run to you as a deer runs for that water. We're going to run to you, God. And God, when we get to you, you, you and you only, God, are the only one that can feel the thirst in our spirits and in our souls, God. I thank you, God, for the words that were spoken this morning. I thank you for the life. And I know in a few moments, Father, we're going we're gonna to get together real quick and we're going to blow balloons up and get prepared for VBS, God. And we're going to be, be, be getting ready to see lives changed for your glory. And we praise you. Pray, God, you bless every father as we leave and, and we just thank you so much, God. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.